So I will read from this week's reading, Rays of the One Light. What what is the best way to pray? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ and Sri Krishna both advised praying to God as personal yet both emphasized also that God is above form and that he must be sought ultimately in infinity. As Jesus put it, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yet he spoke of God constantly as our Heavenly Father. In what is known as the Lord's Prayer, he proposed a very human prayer to the Heavenly Father, asking fulfillment for all our spiritual needs. The Bhagavad Gita explains that man, living as he does in a human body, finds it difficult to worship infinity as though ego and body didn't even exist. Far better for human beings, Krishna says, to work with reality as we know it than to affirm a reality of which a human mind is incapable of forming any clear notion. Encouraging the devotee in this direction, he says, O Arjuna, be thou a yogi. That is to say, one who works with, not in rejection of, the energies of the body and the natural tendencies of the mind. In the twelfth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna asks, Those who ever steadfast worship thee as devotees, that is to say, in an I and thou relationship, and those who contemplate thee as the immortal, unmanifested spirit, which group is the better versed in yoga? The blessed Lord replied, Those who, fixing their minds on me, adore me, ever united to me, through supreme devotion, are in my eyes the perfect knowers of yoga. Those whose strict aim is is union with the unmanifested choose a more difficult way. Arduous for embodied beings is the path of dedication to the absolute, the followers, that is to say, of the path of jnana yoga. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. And yes, a very hearty welcome to all of you, especially to our guests that are here at the Expanding Light. I know there's many of you and those guests that are at the meditation retreat, and those wonderful souls watching us online. I'd like to read to you from Paramahansa Yogananda's book of Prayer Demands. I hold my heart in my folded hands. Teach me to saturate my prayers with thy love. Give me the simple, sincere devotion toward thee of a child. Teach me to realize thee just behind the voice of my prayer. Teach me to feel thy breath flowing through my breath. 
Teach me to cognize thy presence in my emotions. Teach me to perceive thy wisdom in my understanding. Teach me to sense thy all-pervading life in my life. So for many people, prayer itself is often trapped in layers of misunderstanding, of dogmas, of superstition. Um, Often it can come across as begging or pleading. There's a little story that Swami Kriyananda used to say frequently, repeat frequently about this man accused of a crime was brought into court for a preliminary hearing. And the judge asked him, how do you plea? And he said, your honor, I pleads for mercy. And that's how a lot of us deal with prayer, or a lot of people do pray. Please, Lord, I plead for mercy. And if we're in that mode of prayer, only so much can happen. It's only when we shift into feeling the experience in ourselves is already answered in the divine that prayer really will work to the extent that we know it can. If it's only left at the, the times when we're pushed against the wall, when we're battling our difficulties, our challenges, and we want relief, we want some help, we'll only get so much. It's, it's as if you're an athlete, um, you know, and you're, you're doing your best in your sport. But unless you really train hard, when the time comes when at the end of the baseball season suddenly the Chicago Cubs after, what, 4,000 years <laughs> are going to be in the World Series, um, you know they've done a lot of work and the prayer wasn't just um, some glancing words off of their awareness. They were really putting in their consciousness, their whole energy into that experience. And so for us to with prayer, that we want to be on the inside already. Now that doesn't mean that's really that easy for all of us. There are times as we maybe come on the spiritual path where we're not really deeply immersed in that deeper consciousness. That's an obvious thing. We're reaching, we're opening up to that. But the more from the onset that we can just feel we're at our own center then prayer will come from that center the more and more we feel that. So the idea of what's being presented today is less about prayer. I think actually the next two Sundays is more about prayer. So I don't want to steal the thunder from whoever is giving service next. But really what the emphasis today is in this reading is about how we approach God and the divine. And even there, you know, some people may feel hesitant about God. But just think about it. Probably, inadvertently, the prayer that is most common today is, Oh my God! (laughs) And it's probably the most frequently used acronym or text messaging abbreviation, right? OMG. Isn't that true? I mean, everyone uses it, you know. And, And it's stated with that sense of surprise. Oh my God! Or, oh my God, you know, it's in that kind of relationship. But when you think about it, 
it's kind of a prayer for people that don't even think they're praying. They're tuning into something, and it's just misplaced. But just think of those very same words and say them from your center. Oh, my God. Where it's an embrace of the divine. It's a very sweet and very poignant relationship. But the same words are there. And so our part is, where are we coming from? Because indeed, it isn't so much even how we perceive our relationship with God that's important. It's what the experience is. Because we can fool ourselves by nurturing a relationship with God and think that's what it's about. But it'd be similar, as we all know, that if you um, s- say that the, the taste of an exotic fruit, something like uh, a fajoya, not many people even know what a fajoya is, right? It's a pineapple guava. But if you say, this is the taste, it's sweet with a little bit of a, a, a sourness to it, that's just a description. That's not your experience of that. And so, even if we accept that that's what it is, it's sweet and a little bit of sour aftertaste, we have to go into the direct experience. And with the divine, that's even more so important, that we don't leave it as, I relate to God as divine mother. I mean, that's a tremendous way to open that experience. But we want to arrive at the point we're in that nurturing love of Divine Mother. Where the prayer isn't so much, I am here and the Divine is there. But I am with that Divine experience. I am, I am knowing that as my own true reality. And sure, that takes time. And it won't come just from the mind wanting to do that. It won't come from the mind just saying, this is how I want to do this. It has to come from a deepening experience. That's why, you know, it's interesting that Yogananda had this wonderful phrase that we quote a lot, um, that chanting is half the battle. It can mean a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people. But I think really, because he emphasized it so much, it had to mean more than it's just about chanting. It would have to be if he gave it such an emphasis. It's really about the experience that we arrive at if we put our combination of concentration, devotion, and love into that medium of chanting that we arrive at a point where we're beyond the chant. We're in God. We're in God in that presence of the divine. You know, I just read something yesterday that, from Yogananda that was... Very intriguing. I'd never paid attention to this before. He said, devotion is different than love when you're tuning into God. Interesting. He said, love is the experience that devotion leads to. Isn't that sweet? So it's not about even devotion, but we need devotion. It's like with meditation. The goal is not meditation. The goal is the divine experience. And so the best way for us to tune in, whether it's in prayer, and really when you think about it, 
chanting, affirmation, our prayers, their prayers in uh, a different emphasis. They're ways for us to, again, go beyond the doing part into our own rich experience of where that leads to. And when we're in that center, anything is the right way. Any way is the right approach for us to be in that experience. Because otherwise, we tend to isolate and separate different parts of our lives. Um, you know, we naturally would think that in, a, in an environment where the energy, the magnetism is, is negative... For instance, like the presidential public debates, um, you, you know that the energy isn't where you where you would naturally want to be as a devotee. But we don't need to preclude that we can't bring that energy into that experience. Now we need to be wise, discriminating not to necessarily go to environments per se that are going to pull our energy down. But as you all know. We're environments like that to some degree a fair amount. You know, we're going to be in those situations at times. So it's not that we say that's not our spiritual life. Of course we want to say, not so much even that's a spiritual life or not, but we ourselves are still the same. We have that ability that wonderful gift to be in our center and to live more in that way wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And there are times when that will show up differently for us, even in what we would normally call spiritual environments. As Parvati mentioned, that we were over visiting our Anandi CC Community and Retreat Center and we have the wonderful um, gift of going into Assisi itself a number of times, and including to Laverna, which is where St. Francis received the stigmata. And it was very interesting, because in three occasions, that and one was in the Basilica of Santa Chiara of St. Clair, one was in the Portioncola, the little chapel that Francis rebuilt, and was really the the headquarters for the Franciscans during his life. And now, of course, it's this little chapel with this huge basilica of Santa Maria dell'Angeli built around it. And then also in Laverna, the chapel of the stigmata. In those three places, I could feel just a depth, uh, a real touch of the experience, to the point where it, it was resonating so much that way, I felt a disinclination to pray. It was so much that I was there already in that experience that it felt like that was, it just felt such, I wouldn't use the word contentment, but it was sort of like that, but just a fullness maybe was a better term in that experience where sufficient unto the day was really what was happening, that I was in the joy of just the touch of that experience. And, you know, it was in the midst of a lot of coming and going because the average person coming to those places is just drifting through. They're not spending much time at 
any of these sacred spots. And some people are. But generally, they're, they're acknowledging where something happened with St. Francis and then moving on. Um, but just being in that touch, I think we've all felt that, maybe here in some way or somewhere else. But it's interesting also what I experienced <clears throat> at Ananda Sisi, that Swami Kriyananda has a home there. I say has a home, I assume that's not quite right, although his spirit is living. That that's where his home when he lived there was. Uh, of course, he has a home, he had a home in uh, India as well as he, has, he had a home here in Crystal Hermitage. I'm going to get my has and hads confused here because I think for a lot of us we feel so much he's still with us. But um, that is the home in Assisi is where he left his body uh, in the morning of April 21st in 2013. And you can go into his house there and you go into his bedroom. His bedroom is very small. And uh, uh, it's left the way it was. It's not under plastic yet. But it's, it's there and accessible. And you can bow down and touch the bed and his robe and his, where, where he sat and all that. And it was very, very deep. We went there a number of times. Uh, and we'd been to Assisi the last time 17 years ago and had visited him uh, when he was in his body, obviously. But what I found so real was such a personal touch being in that bedroom, meditating. A very, very rich personal experience. Not only a Swami Kriyananda, but just a personal experience of divine love. And yet in the background, I could sense this more universal, expanded consciousness kind of there in my own awareness and being there in that situation. Well, if you've ever, I think most of you had, have gone to the Moksha Mandir here at Crystal Hermitage at Ananda Village, uh, you know, Swami Kriyananda's body is interred underneath the public space that you can walk into. And the feeling I know I have going to the Moksha Mandir is this amazingly expansive consciousness. I mean, you know, there was a choice consciously for us not to put an image of Swami Kriyananda in the Moksha Mandir. There's a bust of him just outside where you enter into that space. But it was consciously chosen not to represent him in a form. And so there's this beautiful blown glass that looks like a flame that's there uh, above that you look out through the glass out into the canyons there. And that really is the representation of the light, the inner light, and then expanded consciousness. And truly, and maybe we all feel it differently, but I know for me, it is so deep and expansive uh, connection. Again, not only with Swami Kriyananda, but with consciousness. But there, hovering in the background, is this personal connection of that personal relationship of divine love through Swami Kriyananda, but feeling the divine in that way. But isn't that true for all of us? We, we can feel what we feel. It's a true experience for us. And we need to go with that. But always there is this balance that 
we can develop. If we feel attracted to that deepening personal relationship, just nurture also. And Swami Kriyananda is a wonderful example for us because he combined those two, very real. But in that personal thing, just keep in mind that it's beyond that as well. And when you feel that, that unlimited expanse of awareness in your own consciousness, be aware of the personal touch. Be real in that. Let it be nurtured. Because God is, as Yogananda said, is our nearest and dearest friend. But he's also the cosmos. And we arrive at the point where that becomes less of a descriptive phrase for us and more our true understanding as an experience by going deeper and deeper always. In meditation, of course, we want to nurture that experience where we're promised through the techniques of meditation and specifically with Kriya Yoga that we will come to that experience of the divine as our own. But let's translate that also beyond the formal meditation into those moments that maybe have seemingly no connection to that part in our lives. And that's the idea of just being in the presence of God, nurturing that, taking the steps for you personally that opens up that possibility. You know, whether it's um, saying, oh my God, rather than oh my God, take that step. That's, that's a step you can take personally. Or nurture it with uh, japa, that phrase or that, that meaningful word or phrase that draws you back into that re- experience rather than just having the understanding of God through your words have the experience and understanding of God from inside. But enrich your life. It doesn't take much. You know, remember Jyotish at the end of uh, Spiritual New Week at a Sunday service gave us, how would you phrase it? A command, an invitation, a suggestion, depending on what your karma is. But uh, probably all of those things. But he, he offered, let's use that word, he offered the, the approach I was going to say technique, but it's really not a technique. It's an approach to bring our awareness up to the kudista, the spiritual eye, more frequently throughout the day. And just pause there and feel joy, feel bliss. Don't let it be just a passive, I'm here, but invite further the true nature of who you are in touching that bliss. That's the best way to worship God is that we nurture that as our own experience and we're able to be a radiant light, a radiant instrument of blessings to the world around us.